Rafal review decision comes down to whether the government misled the Supreme Court or not. Arguments in the Rafal review petitions were finally heard and completed on Friday, 10th May, after months of delays, including arguments on the government's preliminary objections that took way longer than arguing the main issues. As far back as January, we knew the basic arguments that were going to be raised by the primary review petitioners, Yashwant Sinha, Arun Shodi and Prashant Bhushan, which were then elaborated on in the court proceedings. Now, they had two main grounds on which they were asking the Apex Court to reconsider its judgment of 14th December 2018, in which it had refused to interfere in the Rafal deal, claiming procedures were broadly followed and that aspects of the deal, such as pricing, were not really within the purview of judicial review. So, what were the grounds? First, they pointed out that the court had failed to address their request in their original petition to the court for the CBI to register an FIR in the case. And they argued that the CBI was required to do so since they had filed a detailed complaint with the investigative agency that prima facie sort of disclosed cognizable offences of bribery. The Supreme Court's own Dalita Kumari judgment says that once the police or investigative agency receives such a complaint, they have to register an FIR uh, in such circumstances. Secondly, they argued that the verdict of 14 December included a number of patent factual and legal errors. And this is important, as a result of the court's reliance on the centre's notes on aspects of the deal that were provided in sealed covers to the judges. The petitioners have also filed a perjury application against the central government because of these errors, which they claim were not just mistakes, but attempts by the government to mislead the court by suppressing and withholding material information. It is the second argument that looks like it will be key to deciding the fate of the Rafal review petitions. The argument on the Lalita Kumari decision has been strongly contested by the Attorney General on behalf of the government, who has said that a prima facie case has not in fact been made out by the petitioners. The decision on whether or not a prima facie case has been made out is technically for the CBI to decide, and the court may feel that this is not really within the purview of judicial review. It should be noted, however, that the government has not submitted anything to show the CBI has even bothered making that determination, so this argument can't exactly be ignored. But even if accepted, this wouldn't exactly lead to a reconsideration of the rest of the court's original decision. Which brings us back to the second argument, that the government misled the court. It is the contention of Sinha, Shori and Bhushan that the centre withheld and suppressed crucial information from the judges and this led to the judges finding that the procedure for the deal was broadly followed and also uh, to their refusal to look into the pricing of the deal. While there was already some amount of evidence in the public domain that indicated this may have been the case, it was the articles published after this, the December judgment that really supported this argument, none more so than Enram's explosive revelations in The Hindu. In a series of articles, the veteran journalist, who was one of those who, by the way, broke the Bofor scam back in the day, uh, had revealed that first the Defence Ministry officials wrote a note accusing the Prime Minister's office of conducting parallel negotiations on aspects of the deal that, in fact, undermined the official Indian negotiating team's position. Second, uh, a number of standard clauses under the Defence Procurement Procedure, or the DPP, including anti-corruption clauses, were dropped by the Defence Acquisition Council at a meeting in September 2016, after the deal is supposed to have been approved. The Cabinet Committee on Security uh, held a meeting to discuss the deal in September 2016, even though they were supposed to finalise the deal in 24th August 2016. Uh, lastly, uh, the uh, fact that three members of the Indian negotiating team wrote a strong dissent note questioning several aspects of the deal, including the lack of a sovereign bank guarantee, the revised benchmark price, and even the capability of Dassault to deliver the aircraft on time. Now, none of this information seems to have been provided to the Supreme Court during the proceedings in October and November 2018. That this played a crucial role in the judges' finding that procedure was broadly followed can be seen from how the government submissions in the seal cover were reproduced almost verbatim in the judgment when setting out the factual background to the deal. 
These weren't, of course, the only discrepancies in the court's original verdict that arose out of government misinformation. The one which got the most attention was the assertion that the Comptroller and Auditor General of the CAG had already reviewed the deal and submitted a redacted report on pricing to the Public Accounts Committee of Parliament, which was supposed to be in the public domain by now. None of this was true at the time, with the CAG report eventually coming out in January 2019 instead. The Centre tried to argue this was a result of a grammatical misinterpretation by the court, but the court has yet to acknowledge this. There was also a glaring mistake in conflating the reliance groups of Anil Ambani and Mukesh Ambani to make it seem like Anil Ambani's reliance had been in discussions with Dassault to cooperate on the Rafale deal from back in 2012, even though the judgment itself, two paragraphs before, had accepted that those negotiations were carried out with Mukesh Ambani's reliance, which was entirely separate. This conflation also arose from the government's arguments and submissions in a sealed cover. Now, all these issues were brought up by Prashant Bhushan and Arun Shori in their oral arguments on Friday. Uh, Bhushan questioned how, even if the government's line on the CAG report was accepted, how did the centre know that the CAG report would be redacted? This was entirely unprecedented. Arun Shori also raised an important point regarding the lack of a sovereign or bank guarantee, which the government has sought to brush under the carpet and was ignored entirely in the December 2018 judgment. According to him, France is party to an arms treaty which allows them to unilaterally withdraw from any obligations to deliver on arms contracts, hence the need for a sovereign or a bank guarantee as insisted by the law ministry as well. This information was also not provided by the government to the court. So now why does it matter if the government withheld or suppressed information? Quite apart from the obvious moral objections to the government's failure to provide important information to the court, this could also provide legal grounds to set aside the original judgment. Bhushan and Shori repeatedly termed this as fraud, much to the dismay of Attorney General K.K. Venugopal, and argued this would be grounds not only to vitiate the judgment, but also to initiate a criminal investigation. So, was this assertion correct? Previous decisions of the Supreme Court seemed to indicate yes. In a 1993 decision in uh, SPC Naidu versus Jagannath, the Apex Court set aside a judgment of a High Court because one of the parties withheld a vital document in order to gain advantage on the other side. Justice Kuldeep Singh held that this was not just a fraud on the other party, but on the court as well, and overturned what the High Court had done. In uh, Indian Bank versus MS Satyam Fibers, a 1996 decision, the Supreme Court affirmed the principle that if an order was obtained by fraud practiced upon a court, this would be grounds to vitiate the order. The judges also confirmed that, and I quote, where the court is misled by a party or the court itself commits a mistake which prejudices a party, the court has the inherent power to recall its order. The court's judgment in Banu Rao uh, Dagdu Paralkar versus State of Maharashtra in 2005 explores the concept of fraud in such cases uh, in some detail and considers it to include disclosure of incorrect facts, uh, knowingly and deliberately, as well as suppression of material documents. So the question that now remains is simple. Are the judges convinced that the government tried to mislead them? The Attorney General surprisingly didn't offer much by way of a direct response to this argument, even though it will clearly be crucial to the final decision. Yes, he took exception to the characterization of the centre's submissions as fraud, but did he effectively argue against this? Not really. He instead went back to the argument he tried to raise as a preliminary objection to the review petitions, that the documents the petitioners were relying on to make their argument were stolen and secret. Now, that previous attempt to get the review petitions thrown out on this basis, or at least have the stolen documents declared inadmissible, had been a bad look earlier. And it is a bad look now as well, as it pretty much means the government admits the documents are genuine. No explanation was offered as to why this information was withheld beyond a vague attempt to claim these were mere mistakes. 
while it is correct to say that mistakes wouldn't necessarily be grounds for setting aside the judgment, it is hard to see how so many mistakes could have been made in this case, and that too for serious matters. The failure to disclose the dropping of anti-corruption clauses was particularly galling as it took a deal which is already weak in terms of compliance with the DPP and established procedure and made it even weaker. The PMO's parallel negotiations were also a significant factor withhold since the court was led to believe the commercial aspects of the deal were all negotiated by the INT and that too without any significant dissent. It will be interesting to see if the government provides some explanation for their failings in the next couple of weeks. All parties have been given time to submit additional written submissions and one can only pray that there are no further mistakes in these documents, whether in sealed cover or not. Unless the court is convinced these were mistakes in good faith or that this information was irrelevant to the way in which the deal was negotiated, there is no way the judges can ignore what the government did. But what then? Will it just recall the order and rehear arguments again? Will it take action against the government? Well, that's something we'll have to wait for and a long wait it'll be with court holidays lasting till the end of June. Hopefully, the wait will be worth it.